Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to Episode 12 of the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus, sponsored by our friends at Rocket Matter. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. And Tom, congratulations on celebrating this seventh birthday of Inter Alia, your Thank you very widely much. recognized blog. Um, tell, can you tell us what we got going on today, what we'll be talking about? Sure. In this episode, uh, we're going to discuss a relatively new idea uh, that's out on the internet now, and it's called the real-time web. What is it? What does it mean for lawyers if it means anything? We're then going to turn to our uh, segment, Stuff Tom and Dennis Have Been Talking About. Uh, and as usual, we will end with our parting shots, uh, that one tip website or observation that you can begin to use as soon as this podcast is over. But let's get on to our main topic today. Dennis, you emailed me this week talking about the recent flurry of activity around the real-time web. I, I listened to a recent This Week in Google podcast, which if you're not listening to it, folks, you should be. It's a great podcast on the Twit Network. They were talking about the real-time web, and it was very interesting. What what got you thinking about it? You know, Tom, and I just noticed that I listened to all the other This Week in Google episodes, and I think there were only been five of them, but the one I haven't listened to is the one that you listened to. It was a good episode. Uh, yeah, I think this is, is is a new thing, and it's one of those things that when you start to you notice it, and then every day you see it more and more. So today I've seen several mentions of real time real time web around, and 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 I think it raises a question for us uh, that we already feel we have information overload, we have email, we have all this stuff going on, Twitter, social media, and now people are talking about something called real-time web, which is trying to get us updates even faster. Uh, so we're doing things in real time. And, and I think it does raise a question of how, how we're going to use this, how it fits in, and, and how we can possibly control this or filter it or use it in good ways. But um, Tom, can you tell us what the real-time web really is? Well, you, you know, you'd think that just hearing the words real-time web, it would be an easy description. But I've, I've in, in, in researching for this show, I, I realized that like Web 2.0, like uh, cloud computing, it's not quite that simple. I, I found a post on ReadWriteWeb that we're going to uh, post in the show notes that, that gave a very interesting description of the real-time web. They first said that it's a new form of communication. It's synchronous, meaning it's happening at the same time. It's more conversational. It's more authentic. It's less marketing. It's more people just talking to each other. It's creating a whole new body of separate content out there, like blogs create content, like websites create content. This is a whole new other channel of content, like a, a river of news that Dave Weiner used to talk about, uh, probably still talks about. Uh, this is more of a river of news because you can actually see it flowing in real time, which is the next qualification, the next uh, description. It is in real time. It's public. Uh, the, re the, the real time web is 
definitely public, and it's and, and when I say it's public, it's something that uh, that it's not like a blog post where you don't know who's reading your blog post. It's uh it's on sites where you have followers, so you know who's reading the information that you see, and the information you see, those folks know that that you're reading their information. It's also got kind of a model of federation about it, which I think is interesting. And, and federation is kind of defined as the ability to be connected with other databases or real time resources. So it's it's the, the way that I think it's interesting, and then I'll shut up and, and let you talk, Dennis, is, is it's taking advantage of new processing speeds. You know, if you're using a search engine to look for something on the web, uh, things that get posted usually don't get crawled by a search engine like Google or Yahoo or Bing um, for about a day. Sometimes it's sooner, but usually that you can count on about a day for it to show up. With RSS, you were getting information more like an hour later, something like that. But with real time, it's near instantaneous. That publishing is automatic. It's like uh, it's like trade or or stock options. Uh, I mean, the, the trading of stocks or options, uh, the, the software you use for that, uh, you're seeing things be happening in microseconds of, of, of things happening on the stock market. And I think that's what we're seeing with this new real-time web phenomenon. But I'll, I'll throw it back to you, Dennis, with the question, why the heck do lawyers care about this or need to know about this? Well, I, I, to me, I see there's sort of four areas that uh, this will will kind of take place. I mean, I think there's real time conversation communication where we're sort of coming around to, uh, you know, we used to like email and voicemail because it was asynchronous. You didn't have to be at the same time. Now we're kind of coming back to where synchronous is nice in certain situations. Then I think there's real time collaboration. This is something that, you know, flows, I think, naturally from some of the things we looked at in, in our book. There's real time search classically now is kind of funny. I'm using the term classically when talking about Twitter search because it hasn't been around that long, but there, there's Twitter search. And then I think there's a sort of notion of real-time feeds. So you say there was a little bit of a delay with RSS, and now you're looking at at ways uh, with Dave Weiner again, RSS Cloud, the pub sub hubbub of ways to make RSS feeds come to you even faster. So th- there is that sense of saying there are going to be some areas where having real-time information especially in what in the sort of social media setting where you're you're working with other people or communicating with other people where real time is just better. You know, email has its feelings. Voicemail has its feelings. Um, sometimes asynchronous where you can leave information for people is great. Other times you really, if somebody is there, it just makes a lot more sense to, to deal with them in, in real time. Um, so I, it's sort of my first example is, is, uh, instant messaging, which is something I was always afraid of because I thought it was just going to bury me with people pinging at me all the time and and that I couldn't keep up with my email. So how could I possibly uh, live with, inst- with instant messaging? Now, for me, instant messaging is the perfect tool in certain situations. You know, I think that I think that instant messaging certainly qualifies for real time. But when I look at the the sites that people talk about uh, for real time information, you know, Twitter is probably the biggest example of that. Twitter search and just watching the different types of things just scroll down the screen. I remember watching the presidential debates last year, and I used Twitter to kind of look at how the internet was commenting on the debates. And there were literally there were Twitter tweets that came out literally every second and it was totally and completely overwhelming. I uh, you know I was uh, another issue that I kind of have with the real-time web 
is something I was thinking about. And then someone who uh, whose opinion I respect very much also kind of confirmed this for me was that one of the things about the real time web being instantaneous is, is that you're going to get different versions of the same story uh, and the same information uh, because it is so fast, because people are turning around and retweeting it. And I know that I'm sort of uh, giving a little preview to what we're talking about in the next segment. But but I think that having the ability to do things in real time also can be incredibly, incredibly risky in terms of the accuracy of the information that you're going to get. So I'll, I'll repeat it. I'm the convergent on this show, Dennis. I need to know why do lawyers need this? What what can lawyers do with this sort of thing? Well, I, I think you raise an important point that the skill all of us have to learn over time is how to evaluate and handle information and determine what's good and what's not. But for me, in real time, where we're, what I think is great is real-time collaboration. I, I think that's what's happening. So the ability either internally or externally to say, um, I can get information real-time, I can act real-time, I can see who's available in real-time, and I can start to work with them. So when you look at something like Google Wave, which is uh, you know sort of touted to be Google's newest version of our, our, you know, the new version of new email, a different approach, it's been described as really a, you know, a real-time document collaboration tool where you can work together with people. And so I think that real, I think there's two ways is that it will be useful to lawyers. And to me, the most interesting is going to be real-time collaboration where I can identify people who are available, get answers to questions, collaborate on documents together, uh, do those things in real time and be able to manage those, what I'm doing, the work project, uh, all at once, all in one place in real time. And I think that's going to be very attractive over time. Then I also think there are going to be certain areas, and Twitter search is the example of this, where there are breaking events and other ways where having information in real time or faster than than you're used to getting it is going to give you a real advantage and going to give you the information that you need. I think we're moving away from the old days when I grew up when you had three TV networks and one news show and those news channels told you exactly when you were going to get news and what news you were going to get. I think we're way beyond that. It puts new burdens on us, but I think it, it gives us uh, some new opportunities because uh, we get this information. The, whole, the issue is going to come down to filtering. Yep. No, I, I agree with that. And I will, I will admit that one of the best ways that I use the real time web is when I become aware of some type of story that's going on. I will typically go to Twitter search or to one of these other real time search engines and I can find out what just happened, you know, minutes ago, 30 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago, where the, the mainstream news sites will not even have that information posted yet. And certainly the, the, the more standard news organizations won't have it. So I, I do find that it's interesting, but uh, before we we take go to the next segment. Uh, I'll, I'll just do one more curmudgeonly thing. I just think that lawyers in general think that that's going to be too much of the fire hose. I was reading a story uh, last week about how Houston is very happy that they've now got same day uh, review and, and availability of newly filed petitions to be able to get petitions the same day is about as real time, I think, as some lawyers are willing to get. Hopefully, that's not the folks who are listening to this podcast. Why don't you? 
you take us out uh, uh, to the next segment with some closing comments? Well, I, I, I just to make one comment on the last thing you were saying, I, I think that you know, we sometimes joke that you know you're the litigation lawyer, I'm a transactional lawyer, so I can understand how learning about petitions in real time is overwhelming for litigators who like to have a slower pace to things and do things there at their own time. But I think in if I'm working on deals, I'm monitoring trademarks, I'm seeing what's going on in the marketplace. Uh, Real-time information is amazing. Twitter search is amazing for people policing their trademarks, other things like that. So um, it's it's another resource people have to consider. Now I'm, you know, you put me in the in the uh, the total optimist role in this this segment, but I'm I'm as wary as the next person of adding more volume to that to that just tied, you know, the the fire hose as you call it of information that that we're already getting, but uh, real time data makes sense in in a number of areas for another a number of people and as we move to the mobile platform this sort of anytime anywhere access to the internet um this is real time is something that flows from it it flows from the the broadband access the more powerful computers we have and it's it's going to be here I, I just don't think you can ignore it i think you need to think about the potential benefits um and i will say to to people who want to experience what the real-time web looks like, get a little taste of it, you got to start experimenting with Twitter search. Um, that, that really is the first step. Yep, I agree. Well, before we move on to our next segment, let's uh, take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our sponsor, Rocket Matter. By now, you may have heard of Rocket Matter, the blazingly fast online legal productivity application that is saving time and increasing profits at law firms across the world. Easily track time, tasks, clients, and matters. Take phone messages, manage your calendars, even print all your invoices with the click of a mouse and without installing anything. Stop by rocketmatter.com today and take a look. Rocket Matter. Work smarter, bill more, save time. Are you interested in sponsoring programs on the Legal Talk Network? We'd love to have you on board. Contact our sales department today at 781-551-9960. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. Now it's time for our occasional segment about stuff we've actually been talking about among ourselves lately. And we actually had a call yesterday prepping for the podcast and talked about a lot of things that will turn up, I think, on some future podcasts. And Tom, I hope one of us, uh, which I think means you, took notes from that call. The topic we wanted to talk about today (laughs) builds on our last two podcasts and combines Tom's recent stats on law blogs and the idea of online reputation management from our last episode. As a warning, when we discussed the segment, we also talked about turning the segment into Tom's rant of the week. Tom, how's that for a setup? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't have a problem with having a rant of the week. Uh, this, for me, is uh, a, an interesting topic that I initially wasn't very exercised over, but uh, as as it developed, I I got more and more uh, passionate about the way I was feeling. And I think that we're not just talking about about reputation management. We're not just talking about blogs. We're talking about um, really, I think, the self correcting nature of the internet. I've always believed that uh, that 
one of the great things about Web 2.0 is that if you say something on the internet that is not correct, that uh, is inaccurate in any way, you will be corrected very soon. And and I think the the wise course has always been if I get an email or had a comment on my blog that uh, I was saying something wrong, I would work very hard to make sure that uh, that that was that was happening on the internet. And we had some experience this week, and and I've had some in the past where I was interested to find that that that's not always the case. And I'll I'll go through the story real quickly. After we did our podcast on the state of the the legal blogosphere, I uh, noted, and and Dennis and I both read a blog post from uh, an attorney who who had taken his own unscientific, admittedly unscientific study, and he had looked at seven blogs, found that a couple of them were dead, and and generally proclaimed that law blogs don't last. Uh, Something that my, my research refutes entirely. I've got 48% of the blogs that are in existence are, are currently uh, going strong. And, and I commented on- And how many on, did you look at, Tom? I looked at, uh, my gosh, I looked at the number today. It's over 2,300. It's about 2,370. So it's I'd say it's not all of the blogs that are out there by a long shot, not all the legal blogs, but it's a good sample. And, and I responded. I commented on his blog and uh, kind of pointed out my research and how I didn't, I didn't think his was accurate. What I found was that just the you know the comment law blogs don't last was a very powerful draw for a lot of bloggers a lot of people on Twitter and soon it was all over the internet without regard to apparently my comment either was not read or was disregarded and uh, and it was all over the place uh, in in several reputable sources repeating it and 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 just talking about that information without taking all the facts into account. I'm going to combine that with a second story, and I know I'm talking over time, but I want to talk about the second reason that got me all passionate about this. It really happened a couple of months ago on Twitter. I read a tweet from uh, someone I follow on Twitter, and she was retweeting. She was republishing something from somebody who uh, who had posted a, a, a headline that said, such and such firm lays off 134 lawyers and posted a link to it. And I said, whoa, that's obviously an important story. 134 lawyers is a lot. So I clicked on it, and I realized that the story was really about a, a firm who laid off 20 lawyers from its 134-lawyer satellite office. I thought, okay, there's not going to be a lawsuit coming out of this, but this is clearly inaccurate. And this person I follow on Twitter blindly retweeted it without bothering to check for the accuracy. And so I'll, that's my long-winded, rambling way, Dennis, of, of asking the question to you. Do you think that, that, that the state of the web now as it is has taken away a self-correcting nature, that the, 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 the desire to have followers on Twitter uh, and people reading your blog has overcome any desire to be either correct on the facts or just making sure that what you're saying is accurate? What do you think this means? Well, I, I think that the, it is an interesting thing because – and it reminds me what I sometimes tell people about you know intellectual property – uh, copyright that you know if somebody infringes what you're doing it's not a self-executing law you have to do something and there were there's a sense out there that that the web you know especially in in today's world is self-correcting in a way that mainstream media isn't and you do have the sense that people you you can make comments people realize a mistake is made and and it will get corrected but it takes some effort and and your example cuz we talked about it when it happened cuz i predicted that over time that your correction would not be what was what was played out. It would be the original headline, um, You're right. which you didn't agree with me, but it's sort of of sort of bearing out. 
And so the the question became, as we looked to see what happened, um, I noticed that a couple places did incorporate your uh, correction. Um, I know the ABA Journal webpage did a nice job of incorporating your correction into the main story. And so you see that self-correcting thing going on. But then when our next experiment was to say, how can we use your story, and you and I are going to be writing an article about your stats anyway that will be coming out in a few weeks, but how can we get the news of your story to get out over the other story? And so we tried Twitter and other things, and it's surprisingly difficult to get a story out these days. It's not nearly as easy as I thought it would be, and certainly not as easy as it was in the earliest days of blogging. Well, I noticed that you. I noticed that when you were trying to do that, we were more or less conducting experiments on on what would work and what wouldn't. When you changed the title of my blog post, talking about it, uh, when you put my original blog post out there, it it didn't get a whole lot of uh, of interest. But once you change the name to something else, I, I think that it's it's whether your title is sexy. I I believe that that original blog post it said law blogs are dead or legal blogs don't last. I think that's what the comment was. I think that's sexy. I think. That pulls in a lot of information, and, and, and I think that has a lot to do with it. When you see something, it grabs you, and you're going to take it. Well, and also the other thing I'll notice, and we can probably exit on this point, is that on Twitter, as I observed what was happening, you see that people react to the headline, and you'll get the retweets very quickly after you post. And then... Um, then you don't see much of them. And then they may bubble up a couple a couple days later. But you do have the sense that people are seeing the headlines, looking at the link, going, oh, that's interesting. Oh, it's from somebody I know. I'll retweet, I'll, I'll retweet that. And so as an experiment, and maybe we can talk some more about this at some later point as we learn more about this, it is interesting to see how information propagates in the new sort of Twitter, uh, Twitter world as opposed to the, the older blogging world. I, I agree. And I'll say that, that the, the speed with which people are retweeting that information suggests to me that they're not doing any kind of work to, to judge whether that information that they're retweeting is accurate. And even though this isn't going to get them in any trouble, I'm surprised that there haven't been more of those happening on Twitter uh, that, that could potentially get people in trouble. All right, let's move on. Uh, we're going to take time out for our parting shots. Uh, that one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Dennis, you're up. Well, I want to talk about a phenomenon in blogging that I, I've noticed over time that I really enjoy. And and this happens with the, the good bloggers, but, but it also happens with bloggers you've never heard about. But sometimes a blogger will just get in the flow and they'll just do post after post for a period of just great stuff where you just every time you look at their blog, you're going, God, this is great. And so Dave Weiner, the sort of father of one of the fathers of blogging and RSS was on a hot streak about a month ago on some really cool RSS related stuff. Some of the real time stuff that we refer to something called RSS cloud. It was one thing. And but the one I want to point out is Jim Callaway's law practice uh, management tips blog, because Jim has been on a tear lately. I mean, we did a whole podcast based on one of his posts. He's had just some excellent stuff. And this is an example of blogger in the zone. And then I heard a podcast from uh, the uh, the legal technology news podcast Monica Bay does. And, and Jim was on it. And 
Jim was rocking there. He did uh, this great, succinct explanation of the Bing search engine that was as good as anything I've heard. I was jealous. I wish I could have done it. So I'm going to recommend Jim's blog as, as my uh, as my parting tip this week, just as an example to see what happens when somebody really gets in the flow in blogging. I loved I loved Jim's blog too, so I, I echo that sentiment. I have two parting shots today. Uh, my first is a, a new tool that I started using this week. It's called WiseStamp. WiseStamp is a plugin for Firefox, and it allows you to create a social media signature for uh, your web based mail, Gmail, Yahoo Mail, any web based mail that you might have. I think it takes it it works with four different types of web based mail. What you do is you fill in the information. Uh, you can put in as much uh, about your blogs or your podcasts or or whatever, you can then start filling in the social networks that you happen to be a, a member of, and it will put the icons for those, uh, your LinkedIn profile, your Facebook profile, where they can just click on that. It'll even post your most recent tweet on Twitter or your most recent blog post as part of the signature. It's really a very interesting tool that I've started to use now as my signature. My last parting shot will just be to give a shout out uh, to the folks at uh, the Paralegal Voice. Uh, Lynn and Vicki uh, invited me to be a member of their podcast this week talking about uh, e-discovery for paralegals. We had a great time. I encourage you to listen to that uh, podcast when it is released by Legal Talk Network. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Links to the topics we discussed today, as well as how to follow us on our blogs or on Twitter, will be available on the show notes wiki, which is at uh, tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episodes, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, the Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.